the biggest success stories in our country are people who believe in failing. I mean, it's a mantra of theirs. Right. We must fail to succeed. Yes. Because you, you fail more times than you succeed. succeed en route to whatever you've invented. Yes. So we're going to talk about your failures. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to She's Got Drive podcast, the podcast that inspires women to be a driver in their own life through the life and stories of black women with drive. And I'm your host, Shirley McAlpine. I'm a business consultant, an executive coach, and a leadership facilitator working with people and organizations to live their lives by design and not default. Welcome back to another episode of She's Got Drive. Welcome back. And would you believe it? We are in November. I mean, how has that happened? We've got two months left of the year and I it's just unbelievable how the time is moving away. And you and I know in the US, once we get to Thanksgiving, the year's over. You know, we might as well just like tick that year off. And it's so exciting because we are entering a new decade um, at, in New Year this year. So that's really, really exciting. Now, I've been thinking about one of the things I've been doing has been going towards the end of the year and wanting to stay focused on my goals and what I want to accomplish in 2019 and staying true to what I set out to do at the beginning of 2019 is I've got myself, I think I've mentioned it before, an accountability partner. And it's working out so well for both of us that I've decided that I'm going to do an episode that um, talks about accountability partners and talks about how, like, what does that, what is that anyway? You know, people say that, but what do we mean by an accountability partner? How to use an accountability partner and and what are the benefits? And I'm going to, we're going to do it jointly as well. I'm going to have my accountability partner um, with me on an episode so we can talk about our experiences. We'll talk about what's really working about it and what we're seeing as a result of it. So you can see how to have an accountability partner and how to have it work because there'll be some people who say, I've had accountability partners and it doesn't actually work. Well, let's see why. Let's see why. So that, look out for that because that's, um, I want to share that with you because I know that there are some of you who still have goals that you are working on or you want to cause by the end of the year. And this is a structure that will help you fulfill your goals. So look out for that. That's going to be coming up in an episode very, very soon. So the other thing I want to say, as always, a couple of things. One is keep sharing the show. It is growing every week. It makes me so happy. If you head over to iTunes, rate and review the show, I would appreciate it so much. We, myself and Cassandra, are working hard to bring um, these podcast episodes to you. We have some really great episodes coming up. I mean, I say that all the time. I really love all of my episodes, to be honest. You know, my guests are so phenomenal. And we have some really wonderful guests coming up and obviously planning for the 2020 guests as well. So share the show, rate and review the show. Yeah, and then and then we'll keep we'll keep producing the show. This week, I'm so happy about this episode because this episode with is with a woman called Michelle Miller. Now, I went to CBS. She's she's the co-host of CBS This Morning Saturday. And she joined that team in, in 2018. She's been at CBS since 2004, something like that. So I went down to CBS um, one Saturday morning to 
interview her after she's finished work and it was just such a wonderful interview so much you'll see you can hear it when we not see it you'll hear it when you listen to the interview she's fantastic we had a great time together and I just loved 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 sitting down with her I mean I just did, you know, um, and of course, going into CBS and seeing all the people on the screen. And it was just so cool. It was very, very cool. So let me tell you a little bit about about Michelle and and then we're going to go to the interview. Now, Michelle, as I say, she's co-host of the CBS This Morning Saturday. She regularly appears on CBS Evening News as well as CBS Morning and then Sunday Morning. She's also appeared as a correspondent on 48 Hours. She's reported on, on many stories of national and international importance. For example, she provided the extensive coverage of the unrest in the Ferguson, Missouri, after the shooting of Michael Brown. She covered the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting in Newtown, the shooting of Chardon High School in Ohio. And she, she's also covered presidential elections. She's covered the the passing of Whitney Houston, the 100th anniversary of the Titanic sinking. She's covered stories around the medical care for rural poor in South Africa, the hurricanes in Sandy, of Sandy, um, Irene and Katrina. She is an award-winning journalist. She's a former, she, she's, she's interviewed global leaders like President Bill Clinton, like Oprah Winfrey, former premier of the Soviet Union, Mikhail Gorbachev, the Nobel Prize winners. She's, um, Beyonce, Tony Bennett, James L. Jones, Lenny Kravitz, Ella Kuja, you know, there's been a long list of people that she's interviewed. As I said, she's won awards. She's done phenomenal work. She's a, she's a Howard University alum as well. And she um, is a member of the Board of Advisors at Howard School of Journalism. She's a lecturer. She's done, she does phenomenal work in different ways and it is it was, it was such a wonderful experience for me to have the opportunity to sit down with her and find out more about what she does and how she does it and what she's learned on her journey to being at CBS we cannot underestimate the power of having a black woman sitting on TV on a Saturday morning and the power of a black woman journalist and, and what that gives us. And I just kind of want to share something. You know, when I was younger, as I was growing up, it was so rare, of course, to see anyone of colour on, on the TV to the point, particularly in the UK, um, to the point that if you saw someone, you would literally call out to the whole family and run to the TV because there was a black person on television. That's how it was. That's what I grew up with. So it makes me so happy that, that there is a shift it's not as big as we want it to be but that there are women like Michelle doing what she's doing and so I give you Michelle Miller Michelle thank you so much for being willing to be a guest on She's Got Drive podcast I know you want to tell people how we met yes we met at the, dining with the divas yes, luncheon the Apollo the Apollo. And, and you were the host. The host. The extraordinary host. Hostess with the most is. Mm. <laughs> right. First of all, I have to say that you had me at hello with that <laughs> fabulous British accent of yours. I just adore your voice. Thank you. And you're so gorgeous for folks who haven't seen what she looks like. You wanted to talk to me about my success. And what did I tell you? 
What did I tell you? What did you tell me? You said that it was important for people to know what success looks like. Right. And I said, yes, and people need to know that successful people made lots and lots of mistakes. Oh, yes. Loads of mistakes. Mistakes. They have failures. Mm -hmm. And they turn them around. And you learn from them. You learn so much from them. The number one thing you learn from them is that you can recover. Yes. You can get back up. Because you got to get back on that horse. In fact, you know, one um, thing I believe in around failure is you can't if you're going to play a big game in life if you're going to go for the life that you really want you should expect failing yes yes in fact i think some of the biggest success stories in our country are people who believe in failing i mean it's a mantra of theirs right we must fail to succeed yes it's like your route to success yes it is i mean from the you know from the alexander graham bells the thomas edison's Mm -hmm. the the inventors of so much of what you know we now use on a day to day, we would not have this lifestyle. The nature of invention is failing. Yes, it is. Majority of the time is failing. Yes, right. Yes, Actually, it is. Right. We don't necessarily think about that when we talk about innovation, creativity, and all of that. But it is failing because you you fail more times than you succeed. Succeed on route to whatever you've invented. Yes, I love that we. We start there. So we're going to talk about your failures (laughs) as well as your successes. We are sitting in um, your office in CBS and you became the anchor for CBS Saturday last year, was it? Yes, it was last year. Okay. Well, sort of like since we're talking about failures... (laughs) Um, we can start there because it was almost 10 years exactly. I would say it was in the 10th year. I got this job 10 years after I asked for it, technically. Wow. You know, I'm loving that you're going to tell this story. You know why? Why? People make assumptions that everything's overnight. You oh, know what I mean? yes, like, this of is course. Like, so no, like- no one here and no one who knows me thinks that. Everyone who lauds my success... Mm. Always, the second thing they always say is, dang, you work so hard. You earned it, girl. You earned it. So it's, that's something that, you know, I can think of it like, wow, they really know I'm a hard worker. (laughs) Or they say, dang, that girl was like trudging along for some time. But no, it was, um, you know, I was an anchor in New Orleans for Mm -hmm. for nine years. And uh, when I came to New York, I didn't have a job. My husband uh, had a... um, had a job here and we moved here for his job and I hit the ground running. I got into CBS News because, well, I I have to go all the way back to the beginning. One story always begets another, Mm -hmm. but I'll tell that story next. But um, I got to CBS and about three or four years in, there was a regime change. And the regime change was such that, um, you know, when when new heads come around, Mm -hmm. they're you may not be a part of their vision of their future <laughs> in the organization. Exactly. Yeah. And so I'm not sure I was, but I think I was looking too too far ahead to notice. Mm-hmm. I was oblivious to it to some respect, but I was smart enough to always sort of have, you know, I would always keep notes. I would always keep emails. I would always ask for 
people to give me very specific critiques. And lo and behold, I went and asked the guy who was the executive producer of the show here. I said, listen, let me substitute. I, you know, I know how to do this. I got this. And he told the person in charge of talent, you know, she get her off my, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming this because the next thing I know, I get a phone call from her and she told me, you know, before you can be an anchor, you have to be a really good correspondent. Now I know that's not true because there are really good anchors who are are okay correspondents and there are really great correspondents who are okay anchors or not so great anchors, but it's, it's a skill set. You definitely do have to acquire by doing it. Yeah. Right. So I, you know, it was kind of like my, without going into all the details of it, I was sort of knocked down before I even had a a shot out. And once I got through sort of knocking down the barrier of, okay, I'm, I'm an okay correspondent in their eyes. The first I I let, I let them get to my head (laughs) and I, I go, I go into an opportunity and I just bombed bombed on national television. <laughs> I mean, to the point where I was, I hyperventilated on television. Wow. I don't know if I want people to know this, but, <laughs> but so it was a real impediment for me because, you know, people who right. had seen me do it, it stuck in their minds. Right. So one, I had to overcome a failure that wasn't made at, at a, at a, at a, on a small scale. I yeah. made a failure in front of everybody. And how long ago was that? I would say that was about 10 years ago. Okay. I made that failure. You know, I failed. I hate to say that. Boy, I failed at something. Yeah. That's like putting that out there. Mm-hmm. It's like a tough On thing your to route do. to success, though. Right. Remember, so, it's, that's, I think this is... I mean, it may have not been brilliant at the time. It is never... It it's hurts. Ne- it's painful. It is really in painful. In the moment. In the moment, it's yeah. painful because... You have to look at why did that happen? Mm -hmm. You have to look at Mm -hmm. how do I get over that hump? Mm -hmm. How do I pull myself back up? And when, when you, when you fail out in the open, because a lot of people make mistakes, they make mistakes and they're hidden. Yeah. No one knows it's it's No one knows it. So that was a big hump for me. And so I think I put out of my mind the thought of being an anchor at the network. I literally said, that's not going to be my thing. And I watched other people come in and do this. Some did it really, really well. And some did it, you know, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think it about my, it's, it's always my son, my son, Mason, mm-hmm. who always says something to me that just like puts the iron under my belly. Right. He said, mom, he said, why aren't you doing that job? Why aren't you going out for that? And I was, and I was like, son, you know, mommy's a correspondent. I really enjoy what I do. And you know, I made up all these excuses. (laughs) David Rhodes, who was my boss at the time, I walked into his office and I said, you ought to give me a shot. I had this gumption. And I think that everyone here knows that, you know, I speak my mind. Mm -hmm. I don't filter well sometimes. I, when I speak my truth to power, I do it in a way that I think is earnest and, and respectful. Mm-hmm. And I think he really heard me. He considered me and I think he wanted to open the show up from a two-person anchor team to a three-person anchor team. 
And when he saw the chemistry between that gentleman who just walked by and waved yeah. in the window, Anthony Mason, who's is, is, I have to quite honestly say is one of my biggest allies and one of my best friends, if not my best friend here at the network, I would have to say that, you know, he he saw something. And what's so wonderful is everyone here, I have to tell you, when you have your colleagues in this profession rally behind you in congratulatory manner the way I felt my colleagues did, it really, it, you, you're in absolute awe. You, every day I sit on that set, I, I say to myself, I can't fail them. I can't mm. fail them. And so any mistake I make, any slight blurb, any question that isn't seamless, I kick myself. I kick myself over and over again. I think about the people who come up to me and talk to me about various issues. People I, you know, on Twitter or Facebook, I get texts on many different issues because people find the forum to have this discussion right. on my feed. <laughs> and I, I think about them. I think about them and asking the question they want answered. And so, you know, I take this job very seriously because it was a job that I never really saw myself in, mm. even though I did. I yes. dreamed it, but I didn't believe it until my son, Mason Miller Morial, gave me the courage and the gumption to go and fight for it. And really to ask for it. Sometimes yes. we don't ask that, to ask. That is for oh, something. Lots of times we oh don't Oh my gosh, ask. everything I've asked for. And, and I always say, I tell people, you have to speak what you want into being exactly. out loud. Exactly. Because the universe, however you picture the universe to be, who if it's God or Allah or any one of a number of right. different, you know, names that we associate with the universe. Mm -hmm. We'll respond. Gotta, He's got to hear you. She's got to hear you. Well, it it's got to hear you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. If you don't speak it, it cannot or is unlikely to happen. Yeah, you got to say it out you gotta loud. You got to say you it know out how loud. I used to remember going to church and people would speak in tongues. Uh -huh. you know, so they're, they're, they're praying. People pray out loud. It, Generally, they're asking questions. Yeah, you know, when making requests. Making requests when you have a conversation with your spouse, with your children, you're asking them questions. Right. It's interesting because, you know, you had the dream. The dream is already, is latent still within you. It doesn't, you know, it, it, your your son, your son's question, is it that it brought you back in you touch know, with the dream that you I had? I think so. I think that, you know, fear holds us back. Mm -hmm. It holds us back from... You know, The Audacity of Hope, that book that um, Barack Obama... Good friend of mine. Is he really? No. She was <laughs> I had a moment, though. I had a moment. You know, wait. I've had a couple of moments with Mr. Obama I wish. and Miss Michelle. I wish Obama... Um, I wish Obama was my friend. Yeah, yeah. she's, she's yeah. amazing. She is amazing. She's amazing. But I tell you, the one time it was like... I was <laughs> story i was in the white house and i didn't have a certain ticket to get to take a picture with them and okay you, i don't know if i should say this because you know i do have pictures 
of, of the president and the first lady. But I was determined for this event, it was a significant event. It was the 50th anniversary of the March on Washington. Oh, it was a very commemorative. Yes. And um, I'm married to one of the leaders of the organization that um, put the March on. Uh, March on. Mm-hmm. In the National Urban League. So I felt like, okay, as a spouse, you know, I won't, all the other spouses were there. Yeah. So I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. So when I got up, I got in. You know I got yeah, in. Yeah, I know you got well, in. Well, it was hilarious yes. because Barack says, I heard you were causing trouble. <laughs> he said, you done caused some. I said, I most certainly did. <laughs> I most certainly did. This is a historic Yeah. Show. Yeah, and I'm I get myself be, in. And I have I'm rarely pictured with my husband mm-hmm. because, you know, I'm I'm a journalist and I was but I was yeah. like, this is historic, you know, for many reasons and you know, you had many of the big six or all of the big six were, were standing there. Right. And the president of the United States, who's an African-American, our first lady, Listen. who's an African-American. I'm African-American. Come on. This was this was an impossibility. When I was growing up, no one ever thought this would happen. No. And so no. back to the point, the audacity of hope. I mean, he called that. When he wrote, he didn't know when he, I don't know if he knew when he wrote that book. I don't but know. He had he, the he, audacity he, of hope. Just the creation of the thinking that's in that book, that he stood for something. And then that had him think, well, let me. Let me throw my hat in the ring. I mean, so many people, you know, I would think, just talk themselves out of that. I think the the lightning struck for Barack Obama. Lightning struck. At the same time, you know, there there were a number of other African Americans that I know wanted to run or thought to run. They were from southern states. Um, they were from places that were obscure, but. There was something about his biography, mm-hmm. him, yeah, you know, his own uh, CV, his, yeah, you know, his right. resume, what he made of himself, his DNA, really, quite frankly, that gave him, I think, an opportunity that no one else in that moment had. Right. And it was interesting because, you know, uh, we lived on a block in one of the most diverse neighborhoods or counties in 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 this country and one of our neighbors a white woman asked my husband she said um she said what do you think about barack obama and and he said well you know he says i know he loves his mother or something to that effect i know he loved his mother because he he sensed she was having a hard time on the race issue yeah but she couldn't like put her and it was like, it clicked. Oh, his mother was white. Oh, he loves a white woman. Right. Oh, I'm kin to him. You know, right. it really comes they down can make to, the connection. can he connect to me? Right. And I think that he could connect to people on so many different levels as a, as a first generation American. Right. Uh, the child of an immigrant. Right. Uh, the child of a broken home, a single mom, right. raised by his grandparents, raised overseas, you know, ha- having multiple, mm-hmm. yeah, having 
thought little of himself at one point in time, feeling other, then making the most of every opportunity, right. going to Harvard, Harvard University, yes. Columbia, you know, then going to Chicago, right. going to work as a community Cap- organizer. And it was really interesting to see how people attacked the, I mean, everyone attacked him as a community organizer. It didn't matter what's what side of the you know aisle you sat on he was getting it from all sides and then working his way through and really um sort of cutting the line in some respects of some of chicago's political elite yep losing losing and Mm -hmm. then winning and then winning failure on the way to success yep yes so yep. you see the theme. Yeah, here. we keep running through, but yeah, but but back to my son. The, he gave me the audacity to hope. Yeah, and this it, this is it's 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 by no means small in the profession that that we're in, but you know it's by no means the presidency of the United States. There was a quote that I came across again by Dr. Maya Angelou, who's like my aunt because she's been that influential, not just in my life, but obviously many's life. But, you know, I'm obviously connected to all of these people. A very good friend. Yeah, a very good friend of mine. I have actually met That's my very yes, good friend. That's your very good friend, Anio. That's, that's Mizzo. That's, that's She's not my very good friend. No, but well. I do work with her very good friend. Yes, so yes, you I, do. She got me to... To stand next to her it was wonderful. Nice. Take a picture. She talks about she. There's a quote where the every time a woman has a success or takes an action, like she claims it for another woman. She she makes something else possible for another woman, even though she in that moment she doesn't know that. And I think that's for all of us who sit outside of the kind of the dominant groups, if you like. Mm-hmm. It may not be the presidency, but but your presence allows for someone else to perhaps be the president in the future. Do you understand what no, I mean? No, I hear like, you. So that woman's, there, there are two women in pictures. So I have pictures all over my office, yeah. folks. And there's a picture, there, there are two pictures that I'm with two women uh, on my bookcase. And one is a woman by the name of Carol Simpson, who mm-hmm. was one of the first black correspondence in network news, black female correspondence. I believe she might have been the first African-American at NBC. I remember going to ABC as an intern and meeting her there and her taking me to lunch. And the pearls of wisdom that she shared with me in in that one lunch and, you know, subsequent uh, meetings that we had over the course of a semester. And we stayed in touch but I think about her because I think about her composure and poise in a much less diverse community yeah. of people yeah. in 1988. There was no, there were two that, there were one, two, three. There were three people in the news division that I saw that were either producers or correspondents. Mm-hmm. Guy by the name of George Rivera was a producer on Nightline. I'm sure there were more, but the only the three that I saw were him that I worked with directly. There was George Strait. He was the medical correspondent, and then there was Carol Simpson. She was um, a general assignment correspondent, but she was a great, wonderful 
mentor. And then the other woman was mm -hmm. here at CBS. She was a medical correspondent here. Her name is Debbie Turner Bell, former Miss America, brilliant woman. She was here at CBS before I was. She was probably the third African-American here at CBS. Mm. Jackie, Jacqueline Adams was a White House correspondent. And then my professor at Howard University was the first female White House correspondent here at CBS, black female, mm -hmm. and her name was Lee Thornton. So there has been a tradition of, I want to say, people passing the baton to yeah. me uh, in this relay race, um, and I pass it on. And I have to tell you, it's it's incumbent upon us to instill in these children that are coming behind us that they pass it to the next generation. Yeah. And I find I help a lot of people. I don't sense the same fortitude and understanding that mentorship is key. It's every opportunity leads you to some other opportunity. And sometimes things don't work out, but you have to be thankful for the opportunities that you've been granted. Yes. You know what my dad used to always tell me? He said, life is not a destination, mm -hmm. it's a journey. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget when he said that to me, you think of happiness as a destination, mm -hmm. you think of career as a destination, mm -hmm. you think of love as a destination. There are all these, de no, it's all, everything that you do is not static. No. It's ever changing. And so that evolution that you are constantly a part of, you have to ensure that you find whatever it is in the journey of the process. Right. It's the process. Exactly. You know, with happiness, mind, Edna used to always tell me, she, in her Southern accent, you have to make your own self happy. <laughs> Nobody's going to make you happy. And that's another one of those pearls that I think of, you know, Every day that I was here, whether I was in snow, I was like the worst possible place you can be in covering the worst possible story. You know, it's finding that nugget, that golden nugget in everything you do. Mm -hmm. You're away from your family a lot. You're, you, I miss so many important events and families' lives and friends' lives. And I do regret some of those, but what you have to do is, you know, understand that through that process and that journey, these are the choices you made and you live with them and you make the most of them. Right. You know, it, it reminded me of this time when I thought I'd landed in the, the job of my dreams. Mm. This was about, I was 29 and I got this role as a director in a not-for-profit and I thought, Oh my God, I've totally arrived, you know? Yes. This is it. This you know, is it. How do you think I felt? I'm in the network. That's right. This is it. And then it was, uh, it turned out to be a complete nightmare. It had not turned out to be the job that I thought it was going to be. It was shocking for me, you know, like, because I'd spent, I thought, well, this was it. You know, I was like, I don't know. I mean, at 29 to be, this is it. I don't know. But in the moment, I saw what I thought. A lot of people reach I thought, an I was apex like, at 29. I, was like, yeah. I thought I was a failure at 34. I hadn't, I hadn't really got what you, what I, what I deem success. Right. 
And right. really, it's what, you know, success can be a lot of, there are a lot of successes. It's sort of like, it's always, every every step is, is, is a success. Right. Every, every day of your life is a success. What would you say are the key, your key lessons around your journey so far? Going back to that initial hump or hurdle that I mm-hmm. overcame early on in my career, which taught me to own your mistakes. So I went to interview in New Orleans. And when I interviewed in New Orleans, I met this lovely news director who was married to the executive producer of a of a show. And the two of them were just, they were amazing people, uh, Joe and Therese Duke. I remember asking Joe, I asked him, have you ever made a really big mistake? Now this is on the eve of my firing from the, the job. I'm yeah. interviewing yeah. him to, to, to possibly go and work in his shop. And he said, yes. And he told me what his big mistake was. And he looked at me and he said, how about you? And in that moment, that's one of those seminal moments mm. where you either come clean or you lie. Right. Embellish fudge the truth, withhold, withhold. And I just said, because I couldn't technically, I couldn't tell him everything because we were told not to, but I told him the gist. Right. Off I went the next day. I I was fired from my job and (laughs) I went off to Mexico because I was stressed out Mm -hmm. and he was trying to reach me to offer me the job. And, and when he found out I wasn't working there anymore, he was puzzled. So he tracked me down and he asked me, what's going on? And I said, oh, well, remember that thing I told you about? Remember how I explained to you how the buck stops with me? And I had made a mistake where someone else's reputation was on the line. And basically it wasn't necessarily my fault, but collectively mm-hmm. was it was it was my fault that was it and he said well you know what he said give me a few days to think about it he thought about it and he called me back or i called him when i got back and um he said you know what one you were honest with me so you have integrity two i know you'll never make this that that mistake mm-hmm. again and three I just think you're a good person. (laughs) So come on down here to New Orleans. And so I went to New Orleans. And so aside from finding this job that gave me a wonderful learning curve, uh, that gave me great friends, that brought me to a city, that adopted me, uh, that introduced me literally to my husband, Mm that reunited me with us numerous friends um that man when i came to new york worked here at cbs and was the director of hiring for the entity that i was hired into when i came to cbs and fought for me to get in the door he and there there was there were several other people but i i'd have to say that you know, he's the reason 
um, that I'm here. And I just thought there was, there's something that's so lovely about that full circle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you meet people along the way and you had best be who you are every step of your journey. Right. Just better improved. That's right. More improved. improved. Yeah. The newer improved improved version. version. Exactly. But you best be the person all along. I mean, if you were a mean person, well, you better be better. (laughs) Yeah. Don't be that. But but, but it's, it's really important. Because stay your impression, true to you. you stay true to you, but the impression you make sticks. Yes, the impression yeah. you make sticks. So, and the and the other thing I hear in that is the importance of um, having people fight for you, sponsor you, stand yes. for you. Well, you know, we we aren't used to that, are we? No, as as other, right? Right. Um, but I will tell you this: so that man, he's a white man. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had so many white men as allies, um, in this profession. Um, and I've had black women allies and I've had black male allies. But when you think about the people at the tippy top, who are they? Exactly. And I'd have to say that there are a lot of people out there who I mean, you know, we sort of lump people all together, but Mm -hmm. I have to say that there are some good people out there that don't look like us, that aren't other, who, um, who, you know, who really are good people Mm -hmm. and understand that everyone deserves a fair shake. Yeah. Yeah. That everyone deserves a fair shake. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm an advocate of, you know, promoting, alliances with everyone everyone who is going to give you a fair shake you need to befriend right i hope that you've been inspired to shift gears in your own life now this episode with um, michelle is only part one of a part there's a two-part interview and in this one you know one of the things that's been striking for me is to start with the commitment to really share that for all successful people make mistakes and that we can learn from those mistakes and that in our in the integrity of facing those mistakes you know gifts arrive in that that's what I've taken away from her sharing in this um, part one and that's really really powerful so it's okay to make mistakes and in fact you know if we're on the road to our own success we are going to make mistakes but do we learn from them do we own it can we face it can we be responsible for any of those mistakes that we make and then when we make them then what's you know what do we learn to move forward with so so powerful I'm excited about you hearing part two so look out for that in a future episode of She's Got Drive. And um, and I really want to hear from you about what you're getting from the um, She's Got Drive podcast and also what you're getting from this particular uh, episode with Michelle Miller. So, you know, I always want to, I love hearing from you. So you can contact me through my Instagram account, at Shirley McAlpine. You can email me at Shirley, at ShirleyMcAlpine.com. You can um, go through my website, ShirleyMcAlpine.com forward slash contact me. Or you can also 
go to the Facebook page, She's Got Drive, and leave comments there. She's Got Drive is produced by Cassandra Voltolina. The music is by the awesome or female band Blonde. The song is called Circles. Until next time, thank you for listening. Go well and stay well.